listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe. Special guest this morning, Jack Thigpen, hanging out with me. You enjoyed it so far? One hour in the books. Oh, man, that hour went by fast. That was a lot of fun. Uh, halftime adjustments, we ready to go here in the second half. we, we got to bring in the ringer, though, to save us, right? Well, you no question about it. You know, you always have a guy, when I was coaching, the <laughs> philosophy was you have a guy on the bench that you can bring in the game to really put a spark into the uh, team. So we got a guy on the bench we fixed to bring in here and put a spark in his so, program. So uh, Dave Nitz is a bench warmer? Is that what you're saying? Well, if you ask him, I know he would say no, he's not a bench warmer, no question about it. But he's sat on a lot of benches broadcasting ball games. Louisiana Tech Hall of Famer Dave Nitz on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. What up? How you doing, bud? Hey, man. How you doing? Good. I got Jack in here. He's trying to keep me honest this morning. Oh, well. Yeah, you dealt with this guy. You got a full time job. You keep Jack honest. <laughs> I asked him before we went to break. I said, "How would you describe Dave Nitz?" And he said, "Old." <laughs> Thanks, Jack. I appreciate that. <laughs> he, he's trying to catch up with me, though. <laughs> Dave, uh, man, are you going through a minor league baseball withdrawals this summer? A little bit. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, thirty six years I had uh, done minor league baseball. And over 4,000 games. And, yeah, you know, any time you step aside and not do it uh, for that many years and that many games, oh, yeah, there's there's definitely a withdrawal. But, you know, I'm trying to find a few things to do. I mow the yard about twice a week and uh, work a little bit for Enterprise Rental Car and maybe once one day a week. So, you know, it's... Uh, I guess that kind of keeps me busy a little bit. It's not like doing games, though. I, you know, 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I realize, hey, I should be at the ballpark somewhere. What is it about minor league baseball that you fell so much in love with? I think the thing about minor league baseball is that uh, the guys are trying to get to the big leagues, and they're more accessible. Uh, you know, they're easier to talk with and they want to try to do things the right way to get to the big leagues. And, you know, that's why they're in the minor leagues. They're, they're not good enough to get to the big leagues. So, like I've told many of players, do interviews with me at this level and make the mistakes because then once you get to the big leagues, and if you haven't done interviews before and you get on national TV, then you make a fool of yourself. Go ahead and, you know, make your mistakes with me. That's why you're here in the first place. That's why you're not good enough to play in the big leagues because you're not that good to be there. How nice has it been, though, to have some free time this summer to kind of do some other things? Well, I haven't. Uh, I haven't really. I, I did go to a Sioux City baseball game uh, a couple of weeks ago. I took my grandson and a friend of his out to Grand Prairie, and Sioux City uh, played a weekend series there. So we watched. Uh, Stayed uh, a Saturday night and watched the Saturday Saturday night game and a Sunday afternoon game and then drove back. So it wasn't, you know, at least I got a chance to uh, see some of the players and the coaching staff is all the same as it was the last four years that I was there, and uh, that was uh, that was good to see. And as a matter of fact, they come back in August, and I may go back back out in August to watch them, you know, just to to uh, to get a chance to visit with them again. Well, you do make great relationships with people when you work with them like that, Dave. One thing, though, that I want to uh, say, I know you miss the broadcasting. I know you miss being at the ballpark. But I think one thing that the people may not realize that you really miss the most, and you haven't been able to do it in the last several years, is throw batting practice. You're right on that. Uh, <laughs> I haven't thrown batting practice uh, in about, oh, probably – six or seven years because of my right hip, you know, it uh, had a little arthritis in there because I threw batting practice for so long. I even uh, at Triple uh, at A at Oklahoma City and Double A with the Shreveport Captains and even some at Tech. So, uh, and then I had two boys growing up and we had a batting cage in the backyard uh, there in Ruston and uh, I, <laughs> I, was the, I was the pitching machine there too. So, 
I've thrown a lot of uh, a lot of batting practice in my day, and I do I do miss that, but uh, I don't miss the aches and pains that went with it. Uh, we'll get to some Louisiana Tech questions here in a second, but I'm fascinated by minor league baseball in your journeys and your travels. Is there a ballpark that you really fell in love with, the, 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 the character of it, or something about the place that you're like, oh, this is pretty special? Well, I don't know. I guess uh, one, of the, one of the old ballparks I guess I went to, it, it was Midway Stadium in St. Paul, Minnesota. And, uh, <clears throat> of course, they moved into a new ballpark now in downtown St. Paul, a beautiful ballpark, about $58 million it cost. But the old Midway Ballpark was uh, kind of a special ballpark, I guess, in a way. It was it was hard to get into uh, the steps and all that, and the press box. There was no restroom. I mean, it was it was old time from the from the get go. But uh, a lot of uh, a lot of interesting games were played at Midway Stadium in St. Paul, and you know there were so many. You know, I, even I had a chance to back in my AAA days. Uh, when I was at Oklahoma City, playing, we played Omaha at Rosenblatt Stadium, which for a long time was the was the home of the College World Series. Now they've moved into a new ballpark at Ameritrade, and I had a chance to broadcast a game from Ameritrade when Tech played Creighton. Oh, I don't know, five or six years ago up there. So you know, there's been several ballparks I've really enjoyed going to and enjoyed broadcasting from. Every time I drive by a fairgrounds field, I get a pit in my stomach. What does that do <laughs> to you to see that place? Now? Oh man, that that just that hurts. That hurts. You know, I've told people that uh, fairgrounds field is probably about 15 minutes from my house, and uh, I drive by fairgrounds field on the way to the airport to fly to Sioux City, Iowa, to do minor league baseball for the last nine years. You know that I'd been up in Sioux City. And every time I go by there, you know, I always look over there, and uh, uh, grass is growing up in the infield. There's grass in the seats. Uh, uh, the, even the security lights at night are not even on. And some of the outfield fence has been knocked down. I don't know. I guess people just knocked it down to get in there, and I don't know. They may be homeless in there. Who knows what's in there right now? And uh, it's just a shame because when that uh, stadium opened, in 1986, it was like the the mecca of of minor league baseball. Period. I mean, of double A, triple A. It was just a great stadium, seated about 6,500, 7,000, something like that. And it was a, it was the place to go in Shreveport at that time. But uh, over the time, uh, you know, when when Taylor Moore sold the ball club, you know, they moved that team to Frisco. And uh, independent league team team came in to Shreveport, and I still broadcast there for about, oh, I guess uh, seven or eight years after the independent league team came in. But after they left, you know, it just fell into disarray. And uh, you know, it's anytime anytime city government has a facility, it doesn't take long for it to be torn down. I mean, one way or another. Dave, a loaded question here. Uh, Louisiana Tech fans would have hated to lose you back in the day or even now. You're talking about making your way up through the minor league broadcasting ranks all the way up to AAA. How close do you think you were to, to making it to the majors or, of course, uh, landing a job in Major League Baseball? Well, I think uh, probably everybody makes mistakes, and I, I've probably made that mistake by leaving AAA and uh, coming to AA to Shreveport, uh, Taylor Moore, had, uh, was you know in the process of getting that new stadium built, and he called me and asked me if I would come and uh, do the the radio broadcast, the media relations for the Shreveport Captains, which I did. If I had stayed at AAA, I was uh, one step below the major leagues, and in the Rangers organization, got to know a lot of people in the Rangers organization, including Tom Grieve, who uh, was the director of player development. And I think if I had stayed there. I would have had a better chance of getting to the big leagues than at double-A. And uh, I think that's a mistake that I made, and that was always my dream was to get to the big leagues. And I, I, thought, I thought then, well, if I'm a double-A, I have still have a chance to get to the big leagues as long as I'm broadcasting baseball. But that never happened, and I think uh, that's a mistake that I made to, when I when I came back to Shreveport. If I'd have stayed in Oklahoma City, 
I still may have been in Oklahoma City. I know a guy uh, that's in Indianapolis that was in Indianapolis when I was doing games uh, back in the in the 80s when I was at Oklahoma City, and he is still at Indianapolis and has not gotten that break into the big league. So, you know, it, it just have to have somebody to open the door for you. But uh, I think that was probably a mistake that I made in you know my career, uh, kind of moving up the ladder. I mean, it'd be like a player. You're triple A, and then you said, oh, you go to double A, you still get that chance. Well, a player probably has a better chance to go from double A to the big leagues than a broadcaster because uh, so many times uh, that's where the prospects are at double A as far as a player is concerned. But, you know, that's, you know, water under the bridge, and uh, I've had to deal with it since. Well, there's one thing about it, Dave, there's just so few. Uh, broadcasters in the major leagues, and sometimes those guys stay for a long, long time, like Ben Scully and some of these great ones. And uh, a lot of times it's who you know, not not how good you are. And you, you've always been one of the best, and I'm just sorry you didn't get your opportunity to be a major league broadcaster, but we're certainly glad that you hang, hung around here with us for a while. Let me shift gears here just a minute. We talked uh, about that Louisiana Tech, this is the 50th year that Louisiana Tech has played football in the Joe I.A. Stadium that they have on campus now. And uh, they did a, a survey or a, a question here not too long ago where they picked the top 50 players that played for Louisiana Tech. I don't have that uh, in at Joe I.A. Stadium. I don't have that list in front of me. <clears throat> but you and I were talking yesterday. There was also some outstanding games in Joe I.A. Stadium. Uh, without going through the list of players, Tell the fans some of your highlights of broadcasting at the game from Joe I.A. Stadium. Well, of course, there's a lot of highlights because there were some awfully, have been awfully good teams that have played football at I.A. Stadium since I've been there. Uh, I guess I go back to 1974, my first game to broadcast at I.A. Stadium, Louisiana Tech played Illinois State. And uh, I had broadcast, I had been at William and Mary, and I'd been at Arkansas Tech, and Oh, I got a chance to, you know, get the got the job in Ruston, and uh, one of my jobs was, of course, doing Louisiana Tech. And boy, I walk into IA Stadium and that press box at that time, and I thought, man, alive, it can't get any better than this, you know. <laughs> and uh, and that was my first game to broadcast was 1974, I guess September of '74 against Illinois State. Tech won that game 16 to seven. Then another one, I think it was 80, oh gosh, 84, 85, I can't remember the year, uh, when Tech played Mississippi Valley in the 1AA playoffs. They had Jerry Rice, they had, uh, they had uh, Talton, Talton, I think it was his last name, Willie Talton, as a quarterback, they called him All-World Talton. Uh, they had uh, that uh, big offensive line they called Tons of Fun. I mean, they were big. I, thought, I don't know if anybody weighed under 350. And, of course, you had Gunslinger Cooley, who was their head coach, who had a briefcase, uh, and he had uh, handcuffs around that briefcase. And on the briefcase it said game plan. And, you know, that in uh, Tech won the game. I think Tech scored, I, I can't remember the final score. I remember Tech scored 66 points. And they were, uh, Mississippi Valley, I think, was ranked number one in the nation in 1AA. And, uh, and I remember the band at Louisiana Tech when Tech got 66. And, of course, uh, Mississippi Valley was averaging over 60 points a game at the time. And the band uh, chanted out, we've got our 66, where's yours? And, uh, you know, that, uh, and Jerry Rice, you know, making that play right at the end of the first half. And everybody thought, boy, what, this guy's pretty good, you know. <laughs> Nobody realized how good he was. It's kind of like when Carl Malone played at Louisiana Tech, people thought, yeah, yeah, he's pretty good. But I don't think any of us thought that he would be one of the top or the lead, one of the leading scorers in NBA history. But, uh, you know, that at IA Stadium, another one was, I guess it was 1990 or 91, we played Colorado State. And, uh, matter of fact, we were supposed to play home and home with Colorado State. And I don't know if I, we still haven't, uh, we still haven't visited Colorado State yet in that contract. I don't know what the deal was there, but, uh, Tech won the game and the fans and the students tore down the goalpost at the south end of IA Stadium. That's never happened before or since. And, uh, that, 
that win got Tech into the Independence Bowl that year, and I think we tied Maryland that year at the Independence Stadium. So those, I guess, were the three top uh, highlights at, at, uh, at IA Stadium that I, I can go back and remember. Louisiana Tech Hall of Famer Dave Nitz joins us on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline. Dave, now as you go into that stadium, what, uh, 50 years of it, does it even look familiar to what it was? <laughs> Not really. Uh, I guess the east side still does in a way. Of course, they've added the wings on that east side also. But, you know, with the uh, end zone project and now the new press box, uh, Ron, uh, Ron Tulin, who uh, Jack knows, uh, lives out in the Fort Worth area where his daughter is. But uh, he even made the comment to me at a football game last fall. He said, man, this, you, did, you guys did this thing right, this press box. He said, this is as good as any of the Power Five conferences that I have uh, done tele- televised games from. And I think uh, that has really highlighted that stadium. I mean, it just, uh, it just made it look a different stadium now than it was you know, when I first broadcast there in 74. And, of course, you got the Diamond Vision, too, you know, at the, at the north end. So that's that's another improvement, you know. So it has really, really, really been dressed up over the years. Uh, this is pretty cool. The, the 50 top players, of course, uh, fans had an opportunity to vote on the final 18 of them. The makeup of the group now includes 28 offensive players, 17 defensive players, five specialists. They're hoping to get a majority of these uh, players back for a, a game in the fall. How cool would that be to get, you know, even if they got 25, 30 of these guys to come back for a game and get them all together for one picture, Dave Nitz? Oh, I, I think it would be outstanding. You know, just, uh, and I don't have the list in front of me either, but uh, uh, Dunnigan, who was a quarterback, uh, back in the early 80s and kind of an interesting I was flipping around TV last night and they had a CFL game on and uh, Dunnigan is uh, one of the hosts of those uh, CFL games. He lives in Dallas but he flies up to Canada and does those uh, games when they have uh, games on the, on the CFL network and I think Cox Sports was carrying the game last night and I saw Dunnigan on there but uh, you know I think People like that, and being able to get those guys back, well, I think that would be just outstanding. I think the fans uh, would really enjoy seeing those guys, and I think the, the players, those guys, would seeing IA Stadium where it is right now would say, man, alive, this place is a lot different than when I played there. Uh, a lot of the uh, names from the, the, the present, everybody recognizes. But, I mean, in the past, I mean, you got the likes of uh, Denny Duran, Roger Carr on there, Doug Evans. You go back to the Bobby Slaughter, Tommy Spinks, Matt Stover. I mean, really, Pat Tilly uh, is a fabulous list of the top 50 players of all time. Yeah, you could almost make an all-pro team out of those, couldn't you? I mean, <laughs> those, uh, those were some outstanding players. And like I said before, I think a lot of fans, and I don't care what – school it is, when you see those players play at the college level, you say, you know, they're pretty good players, you know, they might be able to play at the next level, and you never expect them to, to do what they have done at the NFL level like a lot of those players that you mentioned. Uh, Dave, before we let you go, and of course look forward to you calling games again this upcoming season, you've had a number of terrific calls uh, is there one thing you're most proud of for your career at Louisiana Tech? Oh, boy. I guess uh, the one call that I had, uh, a guy, and I can't remember the name, wrote a book, The 100 Greatest Calls in College Football, and he had a chapter on the Tech-Alabama game. I think it was in 98. And in the back of that book, there's a disc, and it lists, or it has a, the call of all of these 100, and my call of the Tech-Alabama game in which, uh, uh, you know, Cangelosi made the catch in the end zone at Legion Field that we, we ended up winning and beating Alabama on. And uh, I think that had to be probably the one of the biggest highlights I've ever had as far as, as Tech football is concerned. I mean, uh, to be able to make that call and go down in history in, in a book, you know, with uh, – with the CD and all that in there, and uh, along with 100, you know, calls of uh, college football, I, I think that had to be the highlight. And uh, and it also, 
it was a situation where I almost screwed it up because I called the touchdown, and I, I looked at it later, and the official, of course, they were SEC officials, they were looking around. There's got to be a flag thrown here somewhere. And finally, about all two or three seconds after I'd made the call, the official went up with his hands, touched down, you know, and uh, it was our backup quarterback, Stallworth, uh, threw the touchdown to Cangelosi. Rute was, had it been injured, and he was on the sideline. So uh, that made it uh, even more special, I guess. And another highlight, of course, uh, some road trips with the coach over here, Jack Thigpen. Oh, well. You know, I, I learn more about basketball just being around Jack Thigpen than anybody I think I've ever been around. I mean, we, we go on road trips. We talk about the games, you know, what we expect out of a game. And uh, and I, I really appreciate his knowledge of the game because I've not coached the game. So I, I don't know the, inter, uh, the inner parts of the game like he does, and especially – Defensively, he he always kids me about uh, being able to shoot the basketball. I I, I could shoot it a little bit, but uh, you know my my emphasis and when I played was on offense. I I cared little about defense. But Jack was a defensive guy, and that's what he does so well on the broadcast. He can pinpoint you know what defenses people are using and watches different things. Where as a broadcaster myself, I have to follow the ball, the time you know, what the score is and things like that. And he, I think he brings a, a, a great deal of uh, interest to a broadcast that, uh, that I can't do because I'm looking at the other things, and he, he brings things that I can't see. Well, Nitz, in the 7 o'clock hour, he broke down your uh, shooting uh, style. It, it was very <laughs> comprehensive. <laughs> I bet you it was comprehensive. <laughs> he said if you put a hand in your face, it'll rattle you a little bit. <laughs> I've always told him, I said, you know, when when you're shooting free throws, especially free throws, <clears throat> the old West Virginia proverb is if it hits the rim, you can't count it. It has to go right through the net, the bottom of the net. No, no rim action. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Well, and, you know, I appreciate all those uh, kind words you said, but, you know, if you think back, you and I were making road trips before we started broadcasting together when we used to take your two sons and my son and head to head to Dallas for a, for a Ranger game back in the day. Right, right. We sure did. We went out there and saw the, at old Arlington Stadium before the new one was built, and now a newer one is getting ready to be built, I guess. And, Jack, uh, we also made a few road trips with the uh, Sanitary Dairy Softball team, too, didn't we? We forgot exactly about that. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. It just came to my mind after I mentioned that about that going to Arlington. We, we did. That was a lot of fun. Uh, it's, it's, been, it's, been, it's been a good ride. I hope I've got a, you know, a couple more years in me. I don't know. Uh, you know we'll see how things go. But uh, as long as Tech will keep me around, you know, I'm, I'm willing to do the games. Dave, as always, we appreciate it. You enjoy the rest of the summer. We look forward to hearing from you in the fall. All right, guys. Thanks for calling. Thanks, Dave. A Hall right. of Famer, Dave Nitz. That was good stuff. Yeah, Dave's always great. He's, uh, Of course, he's been around a long time like me. He's seen a lot of things, been a lot of places, done a lot of stuff, but uh, he's just a great guy, and uh, he, he's, he's fun. I, I go back, and we'll start uh, probably first week in July in our football vault, uh, good memories, highlights, of course, from KNOE. I uh, go back to that Mississippi Valley State game and just watching Jerry Rice there at the Joe. And, of course, he mentioned the play right before the half, a little right. bit of a slant pattern. And yeah. Rice, literally, it looked like three or four guys had an angle on him. And the greatest of all time, of course, with another year uh, running in for the touchdown. But quite frankly, there wasn't a lot of offensive highlights for Mississippi Valley State, as Nitz said, that came in with that high-powered offense. Yeah, you're right. I remember that game. I was there at that game, and I remember that play with Jerry Rice, too, catching the ball and running for that touchdown right at the end of the first half. But, uh, you know, Tech certainly just was was better uh, that day. And, you know, they went on and played Alcorn the next day over in Jackson, next day, next week over in Jackson, beat them pretty good. But uh, that, that was. It was an exciting game. It was a fun game. And, you know, Mississippi Valley just brought the excitement to the game because of all the hype and the buildup of it and the coach and, you know, the, the nicknames of all the, the players and, and that sort of thing. And it, it was just a fun game to watch. But uh, no question, Tech definitely dominated that basket, that, uh, that football game. Ben weighs in on the text line says, I got my first career starter. Why is a freshman the entire team made a joke out of 
who is Ben Carlisle since I was a walk-on. Dave got the biggest kick out of it and harped on it throughout the radio broadcast that night. I've been listening to Dave for 25 years. Tech will never be able to find someone as good as Dave. That is correct. Well, he's awful good. Let's take a timeout. He did mention, of course, uh, the big win against Alabama as being the highlight of his career. He's had a number of great calls throughout his years. We certainly look forward to hearing from him in the fall. The Morning Drive is back after this. It'll be fourth down. Deck at the 29-yard line. Three-man rush. Stallworth to throw. He sets up. He throws for the end zone for Cangelosi. Touchdown, Bulldogs! Touchdown, Bulldogs! Touchdown, Bulldogs! You've got to love it. Two seconds remaining, and the Dogs have just tied it on a stalwart, the Cangelosi. And look at the Bulldog sideline. Everybody wearing a white jersey is up and dancing. You can hear the screams from the president's booth next to us here we in the We've got to kick box. an extra point. And the Bulldogs have to kick an extra point, Dave, which is a monumental task for the, the Bulldogs to be able to do against Alabama. Okay, the extra point. Caleb Price will be holding Kevin Pond. The senior out of Covington, Louisiana, will be attempting the point after. 28-28, our score. An extra point to try to win it. Here is the step, the place, the kick. It's up, and it is good. It's good. Pond hits the extra point. It wasn't pretty, but it went through. Whatever car you're looking for, whatever the price for how many doors, cars, trucks, and SUVs, the king of the road, car king. We treat you like royalty, we earn your trust and loyalty. You'll be wearing the crown and you'll start to sing, the king of the road, the king of the road, car king. The North Louisiana Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Clinic is dedicated to helping you get back to your old self, maybe even better. Whether a sports-related injury or an accident in daily life has you sidelined, let the progressive all-star team of physicians, therapists, and professional staff at North Louisiana Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Clinic provide superior service and results. Visit us at MonroeOrtho.com to schedule your appointment at one of our three locations in Ruston, West Monroe, or 1501 Louisville Avenue in Monroe. Father's Day is this Sunday, so make Dad's life a whole lot easier with a new Cub Cadet Zero-Turn Mower from Yard Power. Now through Father's Day, you'll save 10% on all residential-grade Zero-Turn Cub Cadet mowers from Yard Power. YP has a huge inventory of mowers to choose from because Yard Power is your Cub Cadet superstore. Make Dad's Day with Yard Power, Highway 165 North in Monroe and on Waldrop Lane just off New Natchitoches West Monroe. If your business depends on technology, then you can depend on NetTech. We offer remote desktop and service management, cloud-based document access, email services, IP phone services, fiber internet, and data security products. With locations in Monroe and in Ruston, our friendly technicians and help desk staff are ready to solve all your IT problems. Let NetTech be your IT department. Visit nettech.net or call 866-668-0001 today. If you or a loved one have been injured or a victim of medical malpractice, you need to go Guerrero. I'm Lauren Guerrero, and my father is Jeff Guerrero. He has helped thousands of people who have been injured in auto accidents, offshore accidents, drug recalls, and victims of medical negligence. So if you or a loved one have been injured through no fault of your own, do what thousands of injured clients have already done. Go Guerrero. Call 24 hours a day at 325-4306 or come by the office at 2200 Forsyth Avenue in Monroe. If your job situation is changing because of layoffs or restructuring, make sure your retirement stays on track. I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor Mike Barris. Stop by our office at 1507 Lamy Lane for a face-to-face appointment. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing member SIPC. Whether you have a sports or an orthopedic injury, nagging low back or neck pain, work-related injury, or even vertigo, get the care and treatment you need at Legacy Outpatient Therapy Services. LOTS has been a reliable health care provider for Ruston and the surrounding communities for over 15 years. Give Chase Patterson and his team of skilled therapists a call at 318-255-9601 or visit our website at LegacyRehab.net. LOTS, official partner of Louisiana Tech Athletics and your home for trusted therapy solutions. Powered by Legacy Rehabilitation. 
Louisiana, this is The Morning Drive. This hour is sponsored by Car King in Monroe. Welcome back to the show. I got another 30 minutes or so to get uh, Jack Thickpin all agitated in here. I got to poke the bear as much as I can. Uh, Matt weighs in, says, remember that Tech Alabama game like it was yesterday. That gave, that call just gave me chills. You know, and they still play that call uh, before the ball games at Louisiana Tech over the, the Jumbo Tron or whatever they call it there. And it's, it is. It's always uh, fun to listen to. Every time it comes on, I stop and listen to it, even though I've heard it a, you know, a thousand times. It's just really exciting. And on that note, uh, for listeners out there that don't know, Jack has a lot of power at televised games there at the gym. <laughs> He is the red hat. I'm probably the most hated guy in the whole stadium. What's it like to have that kind of power, Jack? Boy, it's 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 uh it's amazing that I've got that. All I have to do is hold up my hand, and the whole game stops. If it only worked that way when you're at home. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a lot more power. Losing to check football, than I do at home. Ain't no question. Uh, let's talk a little uh, college basketball and how recruiting has changed. Obviously, you were in the high school ranks, and then spent a lot of time in college basketball. You were out on the recruiting trail. Can you even imagine what it's like now compared to back in your day and what the early 90s? No, I really can't. And, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I recruited when the in the era that I did because at the time, of course, I was at ULM Northeast at the time and a year over at Louisiana Tech, and we basically recruited the state of Louisiana. You know, we would go into Arkansas, get into Little Rock maybe a little bit, maybe over to Jackson, Mississippi, but a little into Texas. But, you know, you just get in your car and, and you drive to go recruit, and there were so many outstanding basketball players right here in this area. And we always said if you could draw a circle about 200 miles around the uh, Monroe, that uh, we could get the players in that circle. Uh, you, we could play with anybody in the country, and that was probably true. And That was and, probably where more emphasis or looks during the high school basketball season, and now it seems like so much of it is summer league, it, AAU-driven. Yeah. That, no question. And, and at that time when I was recruiting, you could go out at any time. Now they have restrictions on when you can go out and when you cannot go out. But you're exactly right. There was AAU basketball played back then, but not in Louisiana to much extent. And so you did your recruiting through the high schools. You talked to the high school coaches. And nowadays, as you said, it's it's AAU-driven. And a lot of times these coaches, when they can get out, is in the summer. So they go to these AAU tournaments and they see these AAU teams play. And, and they was AAU back in those days. I'm not saying there wasn't, but it wasn't to the extent that it is now. And a lot of times these AAU coaches have more I won't say power or control, but influence. That's probably the word I want to say. Influence over these players than the high school coach, in which I think is completely wrong. But AAU coaches are giving these high school players, you know, practice uniforms. They're giving them sweatsuits. They're giving them tennis shoes. They're taking them on airplane trips to New York and Las Vegas and, you know, all over the country playing ball, and they're paying for all of this. And the coach... The high school coach, you know, doesn't have as much influence. He puts them on an old school bus and takes them, uh, you know, an hour down the road to play a game. And, you know, it just doesn't compare to what these AAU coaches do. And these AAU coaches have so much influence. And I don't like that. I think that's wrong. And a lot of times the AAU coaches really don't know that much about basketball anyway. They just, uh, maybe they played it a little bit and they love the sport, but, you know, they just try to get the best players and they throw them out there and here we go playing. And some AAU coaches do a good job of coaching. I'm not saying that they, not any of them do, but there's a lot of them that don't. But it is just completely different nowadays than what it was before. And as we mentioned, there's just not as many high school players in this area nowadays that are college material for whatever reason. I don't know why. Let's go there. And I had a discussion uh, with a number of coaches over the last uh, two years, local coaches about this. And I don't know why it's drying up like it has, but we got a pretty big recruit, Malik Wilson, coming out of Rabel. He's getting plenty of looks from our, obviously, our local schools and others now. LSU's taking a look at him. I know Houston is really interested, Wichita State, the likes of Iowa State. Jonesboro Hodge has a very good kid also. But, I mean, literally, it feels like it's like once every three or four years we kind of get one of these players. Yeah, you're right. And and used to, uh, you know, when I was recruiting, they were, you know, they were all over the place. And it's uh, – I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know that anybody knows the answer. If they do, I'd like for them to tell me. But uh, uh, I don't know if the guys are just not dedicated enough. uh, Enough. uh, They're not getting in the gym and working. I I just don't. Maybe they're playing football. Maybe the focus is on football. That is part of the problem. I think that some of them are going to football and baseball and some of these other sports. And you know, a good athlete. 
for the most part, can play whatever sport that he, he puts his emphasis in, what he likes and what he works at. And a lot of these guys that are good football players, particularly the running backs and those uh, particular uh, positions there, quarterbacks and so forth, the baseball players, they could be good basketball players too if that was their interest and if they went in that gym and they worked at it. All right, Jack, over the years you've shared uh, some great recruiting stories with you. I want to hear the Carl Malone story again. <laughs> the recruiting story of Carl Malone? Well, I, you give a little background about that. I coached at Summerfield High School back in 1973 and 74, and I coached girls' basketball. I coached boys' basketball. I coached baseball. I was the coach at Summerfield. <laughs> there was only three sports. I coached all three of them. But I had a boy on my – That would be good for your win total, though. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it did. It did help my win total. Uh, I had a boy on my basketball team by the name of Danny Malone. I had a girl on my ba- uh, girls' basketball team named Patricia Malone, and both of those people were outstanding players. And uh, they had a young brother by the name of Carl, who was about a fifth grader at that time running around there. But anyway, their mother, Shirley, used to come to the ball games. And, of course, I got to know Shirley through coaching up there and so forth and so on. And anyway, we, we, we fast forward now and. 1981, I was coaching over at Parkway High School in Bossier City and was hired to come to Northeast to be an assistant basketball coach. I came over here in the spring after the Parkway basketball season was over with. That was Carl Malone's senior year at Summerfield. So I come in, and, and Mike Vining and I, we're talking about recruiting. and So, so you forth. got a connection. It should be a yeah. done deal. Yeah, well, you would think. <laughs> so uh, uh, Mike says uh, – you know, we, you know, guy up at Summerfield, Carl Malone said he's a heck of a player. And said we've kind of played with him a little bit. He, you know, tried to recruit him a little bit. He said, you know, you you've been at Summerfield. You know the family. Why won't you take a trip up Summerfield and see if you can convince Carl to come visit us here at Northeast? So I get in my car and I I drive up to Summerfield. And of course, I know where Carl lives. I knew where his mother lived. And I drive up. And as soon as I drive up to the house, it looks like a used car lot. There's cars all over the place. I go knock on the door. Miss Shirley comes to the door, and, of course, she sees me, and she hadn't seen me in several years, but she knew me, and she said, Hey, Coach Thigpen, come on in, man. So good to see you. And I walk in the living room, and there sitting in the living room is Dale Brown, head coach at LSU. There's Bob Boyd, who had been the head coach at Southern Cal for years, did a great job, just had to face Bob uh, John Wooten all the time. So he moves to Mississippi State. He's a head coach at Mississippi State. Steve Welch, who was recruiting – a car for Louisiana Tech. He was in the living room, and there was another head coach of the like of me. I can't remember who it was, but I remember there was four of them sitting around the couch, and they were just sitting in the living room. Miss Shirley told me, "Cause come on in." Then she leaves a minute, and she comes back, and she says, "Coach said, come on back here." Said Carl's in the back room. Said he really doesn't want to talk to all these coaches. He says, but he knows you, and said he wants to talk to you. Said come on back to the back. So I, I just go right through them and go all the way back to the back. Of course, they're looking at me. I've been a that college, was your shining moment, right I, there. Exactly. One I've been shining a shining moment. I've been a college basketball coach about a week, and uh, here's Dale Brown, and and they, they can't get back to see Carl Malone. Carl Malone won't even talk to him, and here I go back there to talk to Carl. Of course, I visited with Carl and, and, and Miss Shirley and Miss Malone there and visited with them and had a great visit and tried to convince Carl to come to the Northeast on a visit. He really was not interested. He said, no, he wasn't coming. I told him, I said, well, Carl, I said, it's not but about an hour from Summerfield to Monroe. Why don't you come over sometime? I'll come pick you up. He said, yeah, but he said, Louisiana Tech's only 30 minutes away. You're an hour away. He said, I'm not coming over there to see you guys. But anyway, that was a kind of a cool story, the fact that I drove up. And there was all these coaches sitting there trying to get to Carl Malone. And, and I got back there after being a college basketball coach for about a week. So your report back to Mike Vining was, I got good news and I got bad. Yeah, exactly. I got to see Carl Malone, but Carl Malone's probably not coming. But we did spend, I went to the school another time and sat down with Carl and visited with him again. And Carl was awful nice to me. And, and, and Shirley, and of course, Carl still is. But uh, I think he was uh, he'd made up his mind that he wanted to go to Louisiana Tech. He wanted to go close to home. And uh, as a matter of fact, Arkansas, and a matter of fact, it may have been an Arkansas coach that was in the, in the house that day. They were really recruiting him, and at one time the word was that he was maybe go to Arkansas, but uh, he backed out of that, and, of course, he decided he wanted to stay close to home. And I think probably uh, Miss Shirley had a lot to do with that. He, you know, she didn't need his son going way off somewhere to play ball. She wanted him close to home so she could come see him and she could keep tabs on him. And, of course, a great decision by Carl to come to Louisiana Tech and what great teams he had when he was a college player. And I got and, two minutes here. I just want to know, I'd love to see some footage of Carl Malone in high school, how dominant and how incredible he was. 
Thomas. Well, he was. He he just dominated the game. Uh, he had some other pretty decent players with him, but you know you got He's in Class C, and of course by uh, he was by far the biggest and the strongest guy. You know, on the floor most of the games that he played, and pretty well dominated the game. But uh, he was. He was just an outstanding player, and, and got better. You know, he just got better as he as the more as he matured, he got stronger. And of course, when college and of course in the NBA is certainly something that we all know about. Mm. Great story. 888-993-7762. We're going to finish the show with the bang. Our parting shots coming up next, plus a visit with Joey Trappe. We're back after this. Whatever car you're looking for, whatever the price, for how many doors, cars, trucks, and SUVs, the king of the road, car king. We treat you like royalty. We earn your trust and loyalty. You'll be wearing the crown and you'll start to sing. The king of the road, the king of the road, car king. Dad, father, big guy, daddy, my old man. Whatever you call him, get him something special from J&H Boots and Jeans for Father's Day. Big boot savings on Lucchese, Ariat, Tony Lama, Justin, and Dan Post. Like Ariat starting at $134.95. Dan Post four-piece patched ostrich $189.95. Plus all men's hanging button and snap shirts. Buy one, get another for half price. Come on down to J&H Boots and Jeans for Father's Day gifts. Highway 80 West Monroe. Your dad's put up with cutting grass on that old broken down mower long enough. It's time to get him a bad boy from Yard Power in Monroe and West Monroe. Yard Power has the full lineup of bad boys. And through Father's Day, buy any new bad boy mower and YP will give you a free Echo String Trimmer while supplies last. The bad boy Father's Day blowout is going on at Yard Power. Highway 165 north of Century Link in Monroe and on Walter Lane just off New Natchitoches in West Monroe. If you or a loved one have been injured or a victim of medical malpractice, you need to go Guerrero. I'm Lauren Guerrero, and my father is Jeff Guerrero. He has helped thousands of people who have been injured in auto accidents, offshore accidents, drug recalls, and victims of medical negligence. So if you or a loved one have been injured through no fault of your own, do what thousands of injured clients have already done. Go Guerrero. Call 24 hours a day at 325-4306 or come by the office at 2200 Forsyth Avenue in Monroe. Now let's get back to the sports on the morning drive. This hour is sponsored by Car King and Monroe. Welcome back to the morning drive. Aaron and Coach Jack Thigpen hanging out this morning in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe. Uh, have an issue getting a hold of uh, Joey Trappe, but if you get an opportunity this weekend, uh, a couple different locations to check out. The Fieldhouse, Portico, Traps. I think Crawfish City may have another week or so left. But, man, this should be a fabulous weekend if you want to get on the deck there at Traps. And look, just on cue, he joins us on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Hotline. That would be the man, the myth, the legend, Joey Trappe. What's up, bud? Morning, guys. How was Jamaica, man? You eat some of those brownies? <laughs> no, there was no chance of that, but uh, it was certainly fun. Yeah, man. Uh, let me go there. The places that you have been and, and the people, how cheerful and how uh, – talk about living life. Uh, Jamaicans certainly do that. They're, they're having a good time down there. Yeah, man, I've been to Jamaica once, um, and it, it was just that. I mean, it was a very friendly place. Um, no worries, you know, just, <laughs> it's kind of hard to have worries out there though, you know? Um, yeah. but I, and I haven't been a, as to many places as you have, uh, Aaron, uh, but the, the, the few tropical spots I've, uh, destined, um, have been pretty laid back. Yeah. They don't have problems. They have situations. That's what I was told <laughs> numerous times. And if yeah. I was working six days a week, uh, you know, 14, 16 hours a day, I don't know if I'd be as cheerful as they are. So a credit to them. Right. Uh, you're putting in some long hours. I know a number of uh, restaurants, a lot of different things going on. The U.S. Open, day two. I know an opportunity for people to get out to the field house and enjoy some wings and also some golf at the same time. Yeah, man. Um, you know, last weekend it seemed like it was a, a hockey, basketball, regional um you know, type of weekend, and we're shifting gears a little bit. But I tell you what, um, it, it's always a fun time at the field house and, and traps, especially on the patio, uh, you know, during this time of the year. 
Uh, you got a lot of baseball action uh, going on uh, around. Uh, kudos to Sterlington for doing what, what they did out there. Uh, you know, that, that's a huge economic impact uh, with all those teams coming in from out of town, um, as well as ULM. So, you know, I got a couple of my buddies up in Sterlington, like my Foreign Bureau agent, Chris Thomas, that houses a bunch of those teams that come through and sends us a lot of business. So I really appreciate that. But as far as what's on TV, man, you know, you're right. The, the, the Open, uh, you had a bunch of big names struggle early. So um, it, it's going to be an interesting finish there. But it's just another fun weekend inside the life of a restaurant tour over here. Uh, I had a buddy go over the Crawfish City last week, said they were fabulous. How many days, hours, or weeks do we have left? Man, we got two days left. Uh, we're running a $20 fill-up special. It's seven pounds of crawfish or a pound and a half of shrimp or three crab clusters for 20 bucks. You get to pick your choice with, with that $20 bill. And um, wow. this this week, man, it's been a great, a great turnout. Um, I think everybody's trying to get their last fix in there. But it's um, it's a great deal. We realize that. But um, you know, it's a way for us to to get rid of a lot of the inventory that we took in this week, as well as give a big thank you um, to our customers that supported us all year. All right, so I'm all in. So this is uh, today and tomorrow. Uh, what time are you going to start? <laughs> I knew that would pique interest, brother. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's today at uh, 4:30 to close, and then tomorrow we open up at noon. Uh, probably have a limited supply tomorrow. So uh, my advice is just get there, um, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as you can. But it's seven pounds of crawfish, a pound and a half of shrimp, or three crab clusters for 20 bucks. So um, it's an unbelievable deal. Like I said, we realize that a lot of people are asking us, like, you know, are you all kind of crazy? You know, we, we're not denying that to an extent. But, you know, I think um, this is just a great way to, to uh, thank you to our customers and, and you know, wrap up the, the season. Joey, I'll see you tomorrow, bud. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Joey Chape, restaurant entrepreneur. Four different restaurants to choose from. Jack Thigpen, in the house. You ready for uh, partying shots? You ready to end this show with a bang, Coach? Oh, yeah. I'm not ready to end it now. I <laughs> enjoy it. We could go on for a long time, but I, I guess all good things have to come to an end. I think you and uh, the Nitzer, Dave Nitz, could have talked there for hours, or you probably have in the past. Well, we, we have. We have. It's always fun. You know, I always really enjoyed uh, going on trips with Dave because we do a, a lot of reminiscing about the old times and a, a lot of talking, a lot of fun. All right, what you got? Where do you want to go on partying shots? Well, you know, I don't know. Uh, you mentioned about uh, basketball, high school basketball players. I think the the best high school basketball player, you asked me this earlier about one of my top ones, yeah. that I ever saw was a guy from Minden High School by the name of Louis Dunbar. Huh. Somebody may, y'all might remember him and not remember him. about early 70s, about 6'8", could handle the ball. He was a Kevin Durant type of player, could do everything. Went to the University of Houston, had a great career, and then signed with the Harlem Globetrotters. He was a Harlem Globetrotter for years, and now he's still with the Harlem Globetrotters, one of the kind of the managers of the Harlem Globetrotters, a kind of coach or whatever. I'm not real sure all of his title, but just, uh, well, I think to me the best high school basketball player that, that I've ever seen. Well, what separated him? I mean, what? Well, he could just do, he was so big and he could do so many things. You know, he was six, eight or so, which was huge back in those days, maybe six, nine. He could handle the basketball. He could dribble it up. He could shoot the basketball. You know, he could, he could rebound the basketball. He could just do, do everything. Block shots. I mean, he could just do it all. And you don't find many people with his size and his height that could do so many different things on the basketball court. Mm. Like I say, like a Kevin Durant, you know, seven-footer bringing a ball down, a ball playing guard, post up, shoot the ball, just do it all. And, you know, you may have a guy that's a guard that can really handle it and shoot it. You may have a big guy inside that could rebound or whatever, but Louis Dunbar could do it all. I used to have footage, and I don't know where I misplaced it at the KNOE sports office, uh, Benoit Benjamin back but, in the day at Carroll. Yeah, Benoit Benjamin was really good, and he was more of a post player, big guy. Uh, and I got a chance to play against him when I was at Parkway at a tournament. But he, he was. He was an outstanding player uh, and, and had a good NBA career as well. There's, there's a lot of good Joe Dumars down at Natchitoches that played. He was a high school player. Played, played against him a little bit, and he was a heck of a guard. And of course, went on to play at McNeese and had a great NBA career at, at the Detroit Pistons, won an NBA championship with uh, – you know, Isaiah Thomas and Dennis Rodman and Bill Lambeer and those guys and became a general manager in the NBA for the Pistons for a number of years. He was another outstanding 
high school basketball. We haven't really had a chance to visit since you had that reunion with your state championship squad from Ruston. What was that experience like to see some of those guys back? Well, it was really it was really exciting for me. It was, it's kind of emotional, to be honest with you, when some of them came in the door that I had not seen for so many years. And, you know, some of them were scattered. Some of them came from Houston. They came from Dallas. They came from different places over in Texas to the – to the reunion, and it was really, it was really great to see. I mean, and what it really excited me was when they would see each other. They would just run up and hug each other, like you know. And when they were eating lunch, when they were eating, they were sitting around, they were laughing and cutting up, and just having a great time. And it was just fun to get those guys back together. Brought back a lot of memories. Everybody thinks, of course, of the moment of hoisting up the trophy and celebrating that state championship. But is that the lasting image you have, or is there others as a championship season like that plays out? Well, that you mean the lasting memory of that yeah. team, or, or yeah. well, it, it, there's so many memories you have of that that team. Of course, it culminated with a state championship, which is uh, is what you shoot for. But there were so many experiences you had along the way in the journey, things that happened in practice, things that happened in the dressing room, things that happened, you know, in, in a different ball games that you remember. And you know, when you get those guys back together and you start rem- reminiscing about that, there's so many memories that come popping up in your mind. But certainly, uh, hoisting a state championship trophy is uh, is the ultimate 118th u.s open continues round two russell henley leading right now or tied for the lead at two under dustin johnson is on the course he has uh, shaved one stroke off his score from yesterday he is also the co-leader at two under uh, tiger woods on the course uh, really hasn't done much today kind of staying uh he's at even par for the day course remains eight over for the tournament Shinnecock Golf Course continues to give the world's best golfers fits this morning. Jack, thank you, bud. Thanks for coming in, man. Well, I appreciate your opportunity. Always a lot of fun and a quick two hours. Yes, it certainly was. I appreciate Rick Mocklin for joining us. Also, the Louisiana Tech Hall of Famer, Dave Nitz, and the man over here, Jack Thigpen. Everybody's thoughts and prayers continue for Jake Martin and his baby girl, Emerson. Hopefully, today or this weekend, they will be heading home. Thanks for listening to The Morning Drive. The Edge is Thanks for listening to the best of The Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.